Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 33 and I had a lovely conversation with Alyssa Moreno and she is a fascinating woman. She is a teacher of meditation, a student of meditation. Um, she, We talked about Ayurvedic medicine. She lived in India. She's traveled all over the world. Um, she's a performer, a songwriter, musician, mom, wife. Super cool. Um, I really, really enjoyed speaking with her. Um, we bonded over infrared saunas because if you guys have not been in an infrared sauna yet, it will change your life. I'm not even kidding about that. I don't get paid to say that. I'm just saying it. <laughs> uh, if you're in Nashville, there's a place called the Sweat House. Oh my goodness. They have these infrared heat pods. Love them. Anyway, off topic. Back to Alyssa. Um, yeah, uh, check out this episode. It's so cool to hear her journey. Um, she talks about you know, bringing her parents to India and uh, going through some medical stuff with them. And we talk about uh, the Arabic stuff was really interesting. Uh, I don't know if you know much about that, but you will in a few minutes when you listen. Um, the usual stuff. Thank you uh, for for spreading the word. I know a lot of people are starting to learn about Hey Human because their friends are sharing it. I really appreciate it. Um, it's great to get to get it out there. Um, yeah, heyhumanpodcast.com for links and information about people that are on the show or, you know, just people that I find interesting in history. I'll, I'll put them up on the, on the website with links and stuff. Um, what else? Instagram and Facebook, Hey Human Podcast. Uh, on iTunes, uh, please, if you have a couple minutes, uh, go on iTunes and under Hey Human Podcast, you can review it. Um, you can rate it. It's really super helpful. Um, I'd so much appreciate it if you would review the podcast and uh, keep sharing it with your friends. It's it, it's the best thing ever. And oh, on Google phones, uh, you can download the Podbean app, and that's free. And then Hey Human is on Podbean, so lots of different ways to listen. I hope you use them all. <laughs> um, thanks, thanks so much. Thanks always. Thanks a million. Uh, you know, even if one person was listening, I would be tickled to do this. And, uh, knowing that it keeps, it keeps growing is just, it makes me so happy. Um, I've got listeners in Belize and Australia, shout out, New Zealand, um, gosh, Brazil, um, obviously the U.S. and just, uh, in Europe and all over the place. It's so cool. It's so very cool. Thanks, everybody, and uh, enjoy the episode. Alyssa Moreno, she's super cool, and uh, yeah, here we go. Alyssa Moreno. Hello. Hi, thanks for being on Hey Human Podcast. Thanks for having me, Susan. Yeah, so I've known you for a little while, but not really known you very, I mean, you know, we, yeah. have, we have mutual friends, and Nashville is a small town, and, and all that, but uh I I was piqued with talking to you because I sat next to someone at a wedding who mentioned that you had spent time in India 
And I thought, well, that's fascinating. And then when I did a little wiki peaky, as I like Ooh, to call I like them, <laughs> uh, it said that you were born uh, on a Navajo Indian reservation. And I was true. like, oh, the story gets better and better all the time. So if we may start sort of there, and sure, then we can skip sure. over, you know, whatever and get to, to India. But you were born on a Navajo Indian. Are you Native American? Yeah. No, we're not. We don't have any... I just finished Ancestry.com, so oh. I know this now. Okay. <laughs> like, zero. Um, but my parents are both school teachers. So government workers and educators can live. So doctors that are hired by the yeah. government to run a clinic on a reservation or um, educators, because there was one school. My mom and dad both worked there. Okay. Elementary ed. And um, so it was like a literally a double wide, single wide, not double that's right. I exaggerate. <laughs> um, trailer. That was on, the school. On property that we lived in. Oh, that you lived in. Okay. Mm-hmm. On, on the reservation. On a Navajo reservation. Wow. How old were you Rima. when you left there? Three. Like, oh. Just before three. So I was about a year behind Ryman, my son. And I look at the difference. We moved him to L.A. when he was around two. And he has some memories now. Uh-huh. And I think, yeah, that's equivalent to my <laughs> memory. Yeah. They're like snapshots. Yeah, so it didn't really shape you as a human being mm. so much. Not, uh, well, in some ways, significantly. Like, for instance, I have this really vivid memory of, um, I guess that he would be referred to, like, as a shapeshifter. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Sorry to get it good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> really, um, freaked out my dog. And I just have a vivid memory of my lab uh, losing his little doggy mind and you can say like oh well it was a full moon or dogs don't like strangers but I remember mom and I both being aware enough to go huh you mean like a human being he was passing through yeah and we all felt the significance of his energy Mm -hmm. yeah and how different that is yeah and I remember that and I remember these like imprint moments with chickens for instance which again my son's really fascinated about like wait those are animals if they're dead on our plate, you know, or alive running in a coop, yeah, same same difference. Yeah. Whereas I, I don't think any of my other sort of family or friends were exposed to that or thinking about that this young. Yeah, just because they were around, so it, it raised the conversation sure. early, and that's how those few ways it sort of sculpted me. How did your parents happen to pick the Navajo reservation? Yeah, that's over? a really good question. I think that was kind of like what dad got out of grad school and um, they moved back to Albuquerque where my mom was from and that was kind of the first. <laughs> it was like yeah. they met in Berkeley Yeah, and they were young and wandering and there, there was the first available position. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, it's yeah. so fascinating. All right, so your life has been spent as a performer and a songwriter and a writer-writer, right? So you yeah. do all the things and, and producer, correct? Yeah. 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 And um, I, I, I guess, like, writing and producing are the side effects of being a performer and entertainer. Sure. Um, quite honestly. What's your favorite like thing of all those things to do? Performing. Yeah. But then every time I write, um, particularly songwriter, I go, ugh. This is what I want to do. Why do I do anything else? And then I get back on stage and I go, what? Why? <laughs> Why do I do anything else? And then I record a new project and I think, oh, I'm, I just want to record. You sound like me. That's yeah. what I am. Yeah. <laughs> the, I used to say, people would say, why do you do so many different things? And I, I used to say, it's because I get bored easily. And then I realized one day, 
Oh, that's not it at all. It's because I get curious easily. Oh, I get I interested that. easily. Yeah. It's not a negative. It's a positive. Yeah. So. That's funny. In our family, we call it <laughs> attention designed to dream. Ah. A lot of people call it ADD. Yes. I like that. But I just... Attention designed to dream. Yeah. I like that. It's good I'm going right? to steal it. You <laughs> yeah. heard it here first. <laughs> I'll give credit where credit is due. So tell me about India. How did that come to be? India and why did like that come to be? So many years later. Gosh. Because I've always been a little bit of a... Um, know what the word is like not I just never had this sense of like extremely fitting in Mm -hmm. um but I always was kind of seeking that Mm -hmm. and even just from moving from Albuquerque to Santa Fe was a significant difference like I went to school in Santa Fe and that felt life-changing because that's a much more no there's a mystical uh spiritual vibe there that Mm -hmm. I felt like that's what was missing but then of course there's always something missing because wherever you go, there you are. Right. So next was Hawaii for me, which I moved to. Talk about spiritual. Yeah, it was awesome. Wow. And a total win. What part of Hawaii? Which made it cooler. Yeah. <laughs> Kailua Kona. In the so big how island. old were you when you did that? Um, 21. Oh my gosh. Like the day I graduated school, I had a girlfriend whose grandmother had saved money her entire life. Um, she was like one of those successful war stories, like husband passed in the war but she waitressed every day and bought a house and then bought more houses and then lived sure. in Hawaii and waitressed till she was 83 and you know just a really cool woman so she sent back a money and said bring a friend like come to Hawaii for a week and stay with me and we did that was our graduation present but I didn't have enough money at the time to get there um so I was reliant on Becca and my grandfather, who I'd only met a few times in my life, was living on the other side of the island. It's like maybe two and a half, three hours away. And we were taking a bus to visit him. And I turned to Becca and I said, I wish this were my bus ride. And she said, it should be. <laughs> like, it could be. You should move here. And I said, yeah, okay, we'll do it. And she said, how? I said, I'll just stay. She said, I double dog dare you. <laughs> and I did. She left Tuesday and I did not. <laughs> and that oh was my like gosh. the beginning of my sort of That's incredible. Greater quest for like deeper meaning, I think, and not feeling alone in a room of people. Yeah. Because then you're really alone. You're <laughs> literally isolated on an island. Uh-huh. You know, I had to find a home. That was a Saturday and I had to she left Tuesday. Which I found a job and a home Monday night. Which is pretty cool. What was the job? I was an aloha girl. No <laughs> so way. I was like, aloha, and pass out a coupon for a restaurant for $2 a <laughs> coupon at this sort of outdoor mall for an Italian restaurant. You know, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Where did you find a place to live? With a very um, PTSD experiencing uh, war veteran, <laughs> oh my gosh, who had a girlfriend that was in LA. Um, that really wanted that second room rented out. That would always talk to me on the phone, but never reappeared. <laughs> so that was like its own story. Oh, <laughs> and he lived on the top, and I lived on the bottom. But she organized it, and I rented out essentially the office of their townhome. Yeah. But he was suffering from some pretty severe post-traumatic stress disorder, which I didn't know. So that was a whole. <laughs> that was a lesson in was it dangerous humanity. In the end, it felt dangerous, but I, I moved out uh, in the dark. <laughs> with a, an attorney friend that I had met, and she and her, her mom helped me get out. Holy moly. Yeah, it was a quite a to-do, but 
it didn't sway me, and I ended up getting a job in the community theater that they, I met them in, and yeah. uh, teaching music there and at a Waldorf school. So oh, it very, worked out. <laughs> yeah, that's so neat. How long did you stay in Hawaii? It was there a year. Oh, okay, short. Perfect year because then Y2K was happening, and everyone thought. We need to convert our money to gold and fly to wherever we were going to be located because there'd be no more flights <laughs> because all the computers were going yeah, to fly. Yeah, all the planes were going to fly. Right. So that was. We do have a sense of hyperbole, <laughs> yes. don't we, humans? <laughs> totally. We're fully into that. And I remember sure. like not quite believing it, but thinking, oh my gosh, like I'll never see my family. I can't even afford to fly home anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like I better just get get home. So you said adios yeah. to Hawaii. Yeah. On to Los Angeles. And Los Angeles is where I met my meditation teacher. Okay. Um, who, funny enough, I, I really got into meditation for uh, sleep. Um, essentially, I didn't have enough time to sleep because I was building a career. So I had several jobs. You probably can relate. I was kind of started. Really <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> and it just was like a, a thing where you could go on this Sunday night to this free talk about meditation and the benefits and needing less sleep and transcendental it's a form of tm called um vedic meditation yeah same branch like we have the same uh, master of our tradition a guy named maharishi mahashi yogi and uh i mean the minute i walked in i was like yep (laughs) this is it this is what i've been looking for but it still didn't even occur to me the lineage or where I was from or why I was so intrigued by it. So before you met the person that introduced that you became your teacher, mm-hmm. had you thought about meditation no. or did it cross your mind? No, I mean, I so why it's pretty meditative, like, I suppose. Yeah, and I've always like made up my own sort of hypnosis and meditation, self-hypnosis, like to break bad habits or yeah. Or succeed or fall sure. asleep like I suffered from insomnia as a kid so I'd make up all these you know but actually meditation wasn't that enjoyable because I would try to erase my mind and I'd get stuck with the chalkboard eraser and the chalk powder yeah. <laughs> would drive me nuts like the OCD side of me did not like the idea of meditation so when I found um, my teacher a guy named Tom Knowles I thought oh that's what I wanted that's like that's not trying to meditate. That's having something that's so charming that your mind turns off. So I'm in. And a couple of years in of practicing and studying with him, he thought we all should take a trip to the sort of home of, of the tradition and practice. And I was so busy at the time in my career, I'll never forget this, that I had a, a manager at the time who kind of ran my daily life as well. And so she booked the flight and booked all the everything that I had to do mm-hmm. and I was in a session and running late to the airport mm-hmm. and I literally packed like a shirt and some yoga pants and they said you know we'll buy some clothes and like some of the more traditional garb when we get there so don't pack a lot but I didn't even look up the temperature I didn't even think about the weather or what you know like for this two-week trip and when I got there I thought why are they blowing heaters outdoor <laughs> at this airport they blow heat that's so weird before it occurred to me that's that was the temperature that was hot air (laughs) you know that was like how little I knew oh my gosh um you really are a leaper yeah 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 because couldn't tell you the language um someone asked if I spoke Hindi but there are so many dialects but I hadn't even thought about that I was like oh good lord no I don't know a lick of Hindi which I later had to learn because I 
did a little, like, a local performance that then people wanted to come up and talk afterwards, and I didn't know one word, oh you know? So I started learning and, and practicing. And How old are you at this point? At this point, I must have been about 26 or 7 or 8, maybe. I was, like, 28. And the um, plan was to go and... The plan was to just be there for... It was a two-week trip, well, with travel dates, like a 12-day trip. Mm-hmm. T- two weeks gone with all the travel, because you fly in to Forever. Delhi, yeah. right? But then you get a car that takes you to Rishikesh for another 16 hours, which it shouldn't have been 16. That was like... <laughs> Those are the cars yeah. you look out the window and you think, <laughs> exactly. please let me live to see the end of this. And you're playing chicken with like the yeah. <laughs> semi that's coming on the... That's yes. filled with chickens. <laughs> Really Dri- driven by a chicken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, oh <laughs> yeah. so that's funny because then we're ending that trip. That's like a beautiful ashram where we're all studying with the teacher. There's probably a group of forty people from around, mostly Westerners, Australia, UK, America, Spain. Um, <clears throat> but then I'm starting to become intrigued with this whole deeper level. Uh, known as Ayurveda, which I had practiced some Ayurveda, which is a, a basically a philosophy of health, um, like the Ayurvedic seasonally. medicine, right? Mm-hmm. That's where yeah. that comes from. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Totally. Like, you wouldn't eat berries in winter because they aren't available, and you probably wouldn't spice with cinnamon in summer because it's really hot and warming, and just really simplistic things that can you can really study in depth, and. Um, I started asking around, and everybody said there's a place in Shalimar Bagh, uh, which is a, a old part of old Delhi. Um, and I just decided I'm not going back, which was did not go well with <laughs> everybody I was working on this project with and with management. And oh, because you um, were in the middle of doing your music. Thing. Yeah, but I just was so moved by this, and I just thought I won't make good music anyway if I don't know more of this. Um, so I stayed, but that was the first day I got on a train with no tour guide and no, <laughs> no other English speakers. And that was, that was a big lesson. Even the signs, you know, Hindi, and there's like eight other dialects that are pretty prominent and I can't remember one right now. Urdu. Um, yeah. And what's the O? It starts with an O and my friend Nara speaks it really well. And it's a little bit more traditional and like farm. That's kind of what you're riding through on the train and I'm going oh my lord I don't know anything and then if you're trying to connect via phone and people do speak English the connections are hard and then add the accent this is I mean truly (laughs) this is not an industrialized world in places it's a I mean now it's probably a lot better but 20 what is this yeah this would be like let's think oh seven or eight we're in seven, yeah, ten years ago. Ten years ago, yeah. So this is not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. And I was just so unprepared. It was really enlightening. I was like, "Whoa, I might just disappear here." But your body said stay. Yeah. Your soul yeah. said stay. Just cool. It felt Did your like brain home. get in the way of that at all? No, but I never have that. <laughs> yeah, like, you don't have that problem. <laughs> no, yeah. Not much of a thinker. Yeah. any means you're a doer. good or bad yeah. <laughs> yeah. a feeler you're a feeler <laughs> a total feeler yeah like when you do those enneagram tests yeah. i'm always all three of mine are in the emotion what's your birthday march 14th oh Pi. pisces yeah, yeah. Totally. feelers yeah. <laughs> totally yeah and uh yeah it does get me in a lot of trouble but it also generally is a great 
um, way to go, especially if you're married to or ever work with someone who's more of a <laughs> of a thinker of a. That's a planner. good balance. Yeah. So. Really good balance. Is he more your, totally. your husband is more <laughs> yeah. Yeah, balanced? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Isn't that funny? Like, he doesn't even like an emotional moment on a TV show or a movie. He'll talk right through it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, that's so But funny. I go, that's perfect. That's why you're married to me. You, know? you can bear the brunt of the emotions for the totally. both of you. <laughs> and he can be a spa for the both of you. It's great. It's perfect. And I've always had those in my life. Yeah. Um, and people tend to be drawn to a person like me where, where they'll say, oh, I'm so stuck in my head or I get in my own way or I have... Analysis paralysis? No, I don't that. So we're good. I can be a good example of why it might be okay to have a little, you know. But I can also be a really fun partner. So what did you do? You're on the train and you're like, yeah. I don't speak Urdu, I don't speak yeah. Hindi, I don't speak any of the other things. Uri, Uri, that's what Uri. I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. And you, that's you, another one that I have no, that's like becoming more prominent the closer I get to this old village. Is this um, the village that I, I listen to Experiments in Truth, Ram Das? Ooh, and, uh, cool. He, I think he talks about that village. Does he? Cool. I feel like I remember the name of I would, it. It would make sense because um, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi has an institute there. Yeah, Maharishi's. Yeah. I have a great, not to, to diverge from the wood, but uh, the, so I listened to Experiments in Truth. This was probably a year ago. And... I was like, oh man, this is so good. And then as soon as I was done listening to it, it started listening to it all over again, right? Wow. And he keeps talking about Maharishi. Oh, cool. And I was like, man. And they're talking about Maharishi being kind of a trickster. And he's like, nobody died. Don't be. When he died, and Ram Dass was so devastated. And he's like, why are you, you know, as he was getting sicker and sick, he's like, why are you so sad? You know, what's the big deal kind of thing? And he said, I'm still going to see you all the time. And I remember listening to this. I had all my earbuds, and I was I was doing the audible. And I was walking around in my kitchen, and I opened up the refrigerator. And I'll, I will not forget this. I opened up the refrigerator, and I'm listening to this. And I think to myself, man, my heart, you, 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 can, you say that you can bend time that you can be all places at once that you do not die you can manifest things out of thin air you know he's, he's saying all these things to Ram Dass and I'm like I was like gosh I, I could use a, some wisdom I was having a real particular tough time I was like just you know just a little wisdom and I shut the refrigerator door and I went about my business and then the next day I get these daily quotes on my computer oh, cool. on, you know in my email and <laughs> I'll be damned guess who my daily quote was from the next morning Maharishi. Yeah. <laughs> You're kidding. That's I'm so not cool. kidding. So I was like, cool. what are the chances of yeah. that? So I printed it out and I stuck it on That's my wall. That's so cool. Do you remember the quote? Yeah, it's the one about, uh, it's very long. It's about uh, being loving in the world that tries to keep you from behaving that way wow. with all of its stuff. It was, wow. a, it was a perfect timing for it. Yeah, you know, so But cool. I mean, what are the chances? Or I was like, man, I wish you would tell me something. I need something. And the next day, he's like, sure, I'll send you an email tomorrow. I <laughs> love it. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you wonder. <laughs> Makes totally. you wonder. So anyway, all right, so you're on the train. Yeah, I make it by, I don't know how. How I've called them about 17 times at the Maharishi Ayurveda yeah. hospital. And they're beautiful and uh, really helpful. But it's still like even just trying to find a cab, communicate with the cab driver, make sure you're in the right city. Uh, it was shockingly like wow is this the right move 
Did you have a sense of peace about it, though? I mean, did you ever think, oh my gosh, I'm, this is where I get murdered? I had that thought a couple times. Once on a walk when I really got lost. <laughs> I was walking through an alley and I thought, oh, good lord. This is really that yeah. story where you see yeah. a, like dumb white American girl that went off walking, you know, right. but... No, Plus I mean, a redhead, they're that. probably like, what is this that magical always, person? Yeah. That has happened to me always. Living in Mexico, I've oh. made mistakes like that. and Yeah, I don't know. I, I probably had like a pretty free sense of my life anyway in this thought that like... You'll Life wasn't back. contained in a body or yeah. something. Like, I don't know <laughs> I'll what be I back thought. later. <laughs> Maybe, or I don't know, just careless <laughs> in a sense. But carefree, not yeah. careless. yeah. Um, so it never really gets me, but there will be moments where I will, like, my heart will go, what have I done? This cannot be good. But they always work out. Yeah. Inevitably, it's not the end. And if, what is that quote? I just read that today. If it doesn't end well, it's not the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's I'm a like, great that quote. That is so true, and I can't remember where I read that today. But, um... I think it's actually my friend Paige. She's a great author. I think she puts that quote on one of her books. But yeah, I, I make it to the hospital, and that is its own <laughs> experience in and of itself because I was a big fan of Lost at that time. The show. Yeah, which was current, you know, it was airing on ABC back then. And they had just gotten into the hatch. Uh-huh. That's what this place looks like. Okay. <laughs> I remember just going, oh, what the... That's, like, pretty obscure. You have to be a really big follower of the show. Yeah. Lost to remember this other old world that they kind of discover underground that was completely <laughs> Maharishi Ayurveda Hospital, down to the little computer room with the one computer. Well, they may have gotten it from that. You <laughs> I know. think so, actually. Yeah. In hindsight, I really think yeah. so. Um, I think it's, like, based on TM. And, uh, but the doctor there is so lovely, this man named Dr. Raju. And again, it was like, oh, now I know where I am and belong and done. I'll stay for a week. Oh, two. Oh, three. <laughs> you know, how long is your program? At the, okay. at the hotel. Uh, hotel. It's at a the hospital, hospital, but it is like staying in a hotel, oh, okay. in, a, in a hostel, hotel sort of situation. Ooh. Because anyone that practices Ayurveda, which is about a third of the population of India, takes a retreat twice a year called Panchakarma. We would probably call it Club Med and we'd do something like that where we go and juice and get sun and exercise and breast. This one is more um, based on your Ayurvedic dosha, your body type, and um, they'll cook specifically for sort of pacifying the doshas. And What is a dosha? Um, <clears throat> like your you'll have three body types. Yeah, it's like being a... Um, a metamorph or an ectomorph or an yeah. endomorph. Yeah, sure. Um, but they tie it more into personality and spirituality too, which is funny because when you start to look at what we'd call an ectomorph, right, which would be like more hard angle, more thin, um, more dry, they'll tend to be faster and have higher twitch muscles and be more successful at like running and, and thinking up new ideas quickly. Yeah. And you'll look at what we'd call an endomorph, um, and they're a little more slow and soft and you know, what are you? buttery. And I'm right in the middle. Oh. Um, it's called pitta. So like flame. Um, tend to be a lot of performers and and like businessmen, which I kind of understood the more I studied it. But even your muscle mass, it's easy to lose, easy to gain. 
Um, your skin's not super oily, but it's not super dry. You know, your coloring has a lot to do with it and your personality. How do you find out what you are? Um, is there a test? Or yeah, there are tons to of tests to online. Like Deepak Chopra has a really fun, easy one. But your, your Vaidya, your doctor, will tell you the true, what's your Vikriti, what you were born with. Wow. Um, Interesting. That'd be, that'd be Prakriti, actually. Vikriti would be like what your imbalances are or what's dominant now. Are there doctors like that here in Nashville? There is one. I've met one. Her name's Susan as well. Ah. And, um, boy, tons in L.A. and Albuquerque, oddly, like one of the greatest ones, and I never knew it. He was miles from my house growing up, which is wild, Dr. Ladd. Um, so it is incredible. And uh, staying there, I mean, I, like, honed in on just myself and yeah. art and uh, one super inspiring friend that I met and she was on a similar journey. We were like pretty much the same person but she was from the UK and the Philippines originally and Australia for several years. But it, even to the point that we were signing at the same, uh, well, competitors of major, major publishers and labels and we had the same interests and the same histories, and it was weird. <laughs> so we became fast friends, and it was pretty much nourishing that friendship, nourishing my body and soul, uh, writing every night, which I would do on that little computer in that weird little room, and watching this pigeon that had eggs in her nest for like a month until her eggs hatched and her babies were born and a cat took one, which was... A Beely, if you speak Hindi, now I know. <laughs> um, but man, that was it. And when our doctor would lecture, one of his specialties was breast cancer. Mm. And I, so funny, but two years later, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> I know exactly where we need to go. So I ended up back there with my mom and dad two years later. Were they open to that? I'm having a major deja vu right now. Really? Like, major. It's <laughs> tripping cool. me out. It's so weird. Did, uh, were they open to it then? Totally. Dad's like always wanted to go to India. They're from Berkeley. Yeah, of course right? they were into it. What was totally. I thinking? <laughs> yeah, dad's like, I mean, he is a seeker. Like, I think he was going to be a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> like, he was born and raised, like, hardcore evangelical Christian, no judgment at all, but he just found that those people in sure. his family were pretty critical and um, and pretty hateful, honestly, mm -hmm. behind each other's backs or to people of different religion, race, sure. color, preferences. So he was like, oh, that's a bummer because I love Christianity, but I don't like this box that I'm in. So he spent his life. I think he really found Yogananda, mm -hmm. who does some beautiful books uh, for people that tend to be born in a Christian culture that want to meditate or practice yoga, and even interprets the Bible for them, or his teacher did. And so dad was like, oh, I've always wanted to go to India, because some people even believe that Jesus was in the desert with the yogis for I 40 days. That. Yeah. I'm one of those people, right? actually. Yeah. <laughs> so at that time that he's sort of missing, Yes, I've, just because of the way... The things he said, the way he lived his life, yes. the, what he preached. That's like the kingdom this, of heaven is within. I like, mean, he's like, this is total Eastern, yeah, Eastern totally. philosophy. Totally. It's not like, you know, it's nice Jewish kids going to pick all that up <laughs> yeah. unless he got the heck out of Dodge for a minute. Exactly. So that's, I've always, I know that people would argue me, and they're, they're welcome to the argument, it's fine, but I do truly believe that he yeah. did go seeking. Yeah. 
Because that's the kind Which of... Which is, you know... He was a humanist. Cool person does, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, cool. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Jesus was a cool dude. It was so... I love it. And moving... Spending that time, not moving to India, spending those six weeks there that first time was like... I loved that about Hindus that I met. They'd be like, oh, the Bible is so beautiful. I put it on my... On my altar, and I read every day and pray to Jesus. <laughs> I think that is so cool because that's not what I'm getting here on this side. If I tell someone I go to India, they're right. like, oh, "Someone in America, yeah, you yeah. better know." We're a very young do. country. <laughs> yeah. We have very young philosophies. We're yeah. Very, I mean, we're young. We're like the the upstart elementary school. So kids it's probably are, scary. It's yeah. like fear of the unknown. Sure. So I liked it. That's India is very, very old. <laughs> yeah. They've been, been around. around a minute. Yeah. They're like, oh, Catholicism, cool. Yeah. I'll put this rose, rosary bead on my altar too. Yeah. <laughs> like, my dad and I joke because, you know, I go, if I go get, let's say, acupuncture or something, he's like, oh, you're going to one of your witch doctors. And I laugh <laughs> and I'm like, a billion people cannot be wrong. Right. right? <laughs> and they've like, been around a minute. So many more years. <laughs> they've been around a minute and they, yeah. they kind of got it down. It's true. I appreciated that a lot about this doctor because he would always say, um, yeah, we're like one of the most ancient, you know, medicines, Ayurveda, but that's not to say we're the best because when, when you look at it, uh, the way Ayurveda looks at health, it's like a jar and this jar is starting to fill up. So your Ayurvedic doctor says, "Eh, you need to empty that out because that's not looking good. So you change your diet, you tweak some exercise or wake up times or sleep times and Ideally, that would leave the body. But in the West, we can't see it till we have an MRI or a mammogram or a CAT scan or something that tells us, like, this has exploded. <laughs> the jar is overflowed and it looks like a tumor now. Um, then we're the very best at uh, treating at that point and removing. Like our surgery, he said you'd never want to have a surgery here with an Ayurvedic doctor. Like, no, we don't even have the sanitation. We're looking to the West for that. You are looking to us for the spirituality and some of the preventative medicine, but we're looking to you as the cutting edge people in surgery and uh, chemo and radiation. Not that we hope to never have that. They don't even use the word cancer in Ayurveda. Um, But that was cool. It was like, oh. So your mom... Good mix. You got your mom and dad to go there. Yeah. and And so she started how far what was the stage mom had stage 2b breast cancer okay she had um it was pretty near the heart muscle and a couple lymph nodes so it was like we can do chemo and radiation but here's what we're facing um statistically it's not great odds 50 percent success rate but that's not a good thing to hear and especially when you're younger how old was she she was i think in her 50s. So young. Um, yep. And we have even younger in our family, um, like quite a few, who have died of various cancers, but now three breast cancer survivors. So I don't know. I just felt oddly hopeful about it. It's like, yeah. okay, we don't have the BRCA2 gene. We didn't know much about that then, but I still kind of intuitively knew that it had probably more to do with our um, location near all the testing, bomb testing, which people don't roll their eyes about anymore, but used to. You know? Oh, of course. Yeah. Sure. That's right. You grew up in New Mexico yeah. where, the, I mean, the half-lives are, what, how many thousands of years? Yeah. <laughs> it's a long, long time to get rid of that stuff. It's in the soil. It's in the water. Everywhere. Yeah. Between that and then between his mixed philosophies on 
Sure, like she went on a, a, an aromatase inhibitor that's like a hormone blocker for an estrogen-fed cancer. It's a horrible drug. It causes osteoporosis and um, dementia and night sweats. And But he was like, oh, that's fine, you know, because if you believe in it, it's going to help you. And if your doctor believes in it is creating a treatment program, I'll help you with herbs and foods that will kind of counterbalance the negative and appreciate the good that that drug can do. That, like, changed our whole scene. She did a double mastectomy. She oh, took wow. the meds, that, but she did not do radiation or chemo and practiced Ayurveda. And I was like, what a good balance. I guess that's what we're all seeking. Western right? Eastern together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. balance. Sure. And uh, that was like... And she's okay now? Yeah. yeah. Now we're, you know... Past the five Eight, year nine, month. ten yeah. years. So she's good. Yeah. Do you do you do things to for preventative for that for you? I used to be way more specific about it. Um, once I kind of finished that, you know, like a particular time of day that I would take a mixture of manuka honey with ah manuka honey is the oh best. My gosh, the best! I take it every day. <laughs> awesome. I only just discovered it. That's so cool. Take it every day. That's so cool. Yeah, mine had like cinnamon licorice. A few that were really lymphatic cleaners. And I was thinking the other day, when I go to L.A., I'm going to ask Dr. J. Because he's the first person that detected breast cancer in my mom through me. Is, wait, is he Ayurvedic? He's an Ayurvedic oh, okay, practitioner okay. in L.A., yeah. I saw, I'll have to get his info for I me because I'm going totally, to L.A. in April. Oh, perfect. You'll yeah. love him. He's at the um, University of Complementary Medicine now. I'd like to know what my, my dosha, yeah. dosha yep. yeah, is. You'll love it. I would guess Vata Pitta with you, but I want to know. He'll tell you. He's pretty balanced, too, so you could be tridoshic, but he'll tell you uh, immediately. He likes to be challenged, too, with don't tell him what's going on and let him tell you. Sometimes I forget things. He'll tell me, oh, you know, because of your ear, ear, nose, and throat problems. What? I don't well, we live in Nashville. Everyone's got their <laughs> right? nose and throat. And I just don't have those anymore. That's but great. I did as a child, and I yeah. forgot that. Wow. And he could detect it. Interesting. Yeah. So there's some neat stuff like that that I just love about Ayurveda. And so, okay, so now you, you, you had done four weeks at the hospital. You came home, brought mom and dad back to work on her. Yep, a couple years later. Yeah, and so, so did you go back again, or was that your... Yeah, that was the last time I was there. Um, that was 2008, and we stayed about six weeks again. And we made it a little bit more of a... Like a fun journey. We went and saw the Taj Mahal and the wishing wall. We tied our wishes. And, yeah. Um, where was that? Sampuri. Gosh, I can't remember the name of the town right now. I'm confusing it too because shortly thereafter I went to Israel and they have the Wailing Wall. Yeah. Um, so I cannot remember the name, but it'll come to me in a minute. But we just made it Agra. That's where it was. Um, we made it a little bit more fun and touristy, whereas my first time was silence. And um, there's some neuroscience behind a lot of practices in Vedic culture and Ayurveda, like eating with the right hand only. And, um, yeah, isn't the left hand the one they the use to wipe their bottoms? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And if you were just going to bathe even. Or... It's really neat. It's fun. But this time I kind of wanted to more like go see some Bollywood movies, and yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, Bollywood you know, movies are awesome." I know. I really like went on a whole campaign for a minute. I kind of wanted to be in Bollywood <laughs> after that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. They're wonderful. It was really actually a, a big Bollywood director just passed away. Mm. I just saw that. I can't recall his name, but um, 
Yeah, those are fun films for sure. Yeah. So here's a question: you the the first time you went and you weren't really sure what you were seeking, but you went and you stayed. Yeah. Did you figure out what you were seeking? I think um, what I found there was like a sense of home and belonging, and oddly melodies. And I am like pretty Celtic. If I look at the, like Scottish and Irish and Welsh influence, or if you just look at my coloring, you know, you'll see. Um, and the melodies were so similar that would kind of come they to me. They have more notes in their scale. They do. Yeah, like our rogs are... Yeah, is it nine? Outrageous. Fourteen? Uh, I forget now. Yeah, but, they're microtonal. So yeah, like, if we wild. had just like it's a beautiful. one... They'd have like a... You know, it's, it's so, so fun to get there. You, it's a, to me, it's impossible to listen to that music without either all the hair standing up on your body or going into some other place. Yeah. It's just, it's magic. Yeah. It's, it's so magical true. music. It's so true. I studied there that second time with a singing guru. <laughs> you just call your teacher a guru. She's yeah. so cute. She's like 10 years younger than me in college in music school. She would teach me different ones for different times of day and different health benefits and that was a good way to learn some, some of the other dialects. And Sanskrit I already knew a bit just from studying meditation. But that was so much fun. Open throat singing. Mm. Like rock stars, that's all they do anyway. Kelly Clarkson is only singing with an open throat. But I had no concept how to do that. Because I'm like a flipper with my voice. I sing really like, you yeah. know, kind of yeah. like Celtic. Yeah. And so it was so neat to incorporate all these things that were natural to me. And feel like, why does this feel like home? My cousins are also adopted from Calcutta. And again, I had never thought about their birth home. They identify as Americans. Um, but it just was so neat to kind of go, oh, gosh, I just kind of get them on this different level, you know. Yeah. Um, so I guess I just felt at peace. Maybe that's what I was looking for. Uh, and really inspired. It definitely affected my music for a long time. And um, not that I was putting tablas, <laughs> you know, or sitars in my recordings, but just the way that I sang, or even the way I'd approach a melody, uh, was way more bold yeah. than what I had kind of traditionally. Plus, I, I would imagine that being in a place where music is so spiritual... And if that's influencing you, it can't help but take your songs to this other truthful... You know, we're constantly told as songwriters, write the truth, write the truth, write the truth. But then if you pull in this ancient truth as well, yeah. I mean, that's powerful. Yeah. That's powerful stuff. Really powerful. Yeah. And you know what else I liked about that experience was I was living in Beverly Hills and then Hollywood and Venice, like really, and then working in Bel Air and Malibu and being really around even some A-listers and just some top, top people, Forbes, you know, kinds of money hmm. that I didn't grow up around or have and that I think I thought would make you really happy. And it was so fascinating to see that it was not what made people happy. And then to be in extreme poverty. Literally, this town, someone had started digging pipes and never 
completed it. So there were just ditches. You could just fall in a hole if you weren't careful walking around this village. And people would live in tents, whole families, and invite me over um, for a meal, which I swear I got dysentery like 14 times because I kept going and having the food. And now I'm immune, by the way, to India and Mexico. I can pretty much eat or drink anything. <laughs> and they'd just be so content and have, you know, a Casio keyboard as big as my arm. And they'd be like, come play a concert. I think I have, I've got four AA batteries. <laughs> you know, if you want to try, it'd be like the worst concert I ever gave. And everyone would be so happy. And so it was just enlightening about how this thing that probably a lot of us seek isn't really outside. Mm-hmm. And that money and success can really be a re- reflection of fulfillment or happiness because you're probably doing what you're meant to do. So you're probably getting paid well for it because people appreciate it you're being celebrated so you're a celebrity you know um but that was like extremely enlightening and and peace inducing and it kind of just changed my life for good (laughs) was it hard to maintain that when you got back not at all that's good um that's because it's la but I oh, do. Oh, every <laughs> LA meditates, yeah. right? And like, I worked at a studio. Totally, like kombucha. But I was at a studio and I was working more in country music, and guys would come in from Nashville and they'd be pretty, like, what you would expect of a you're more just the good old boy from the South. And they'd end up coming with me because I found this Hare Krishna temple <laughs> that had good vegetarian food because then I didn't want to eat meat, I wanted to eat. All these good spiced foods that didn't make me feel sluggish or sick. And they'd be like, yeah, sure, I'll come down with you. <laughs> you know, we'd go to this Hare Krishna temple. And they'd go, this is so cool. Like, I thought I wanted to go to the steakhouse, but I feel good. And these people are so nice. And it just opened all our minds. It was so cool. Do you, are you still meat-free? No. Not at all. Because then I got into the blood type diet. <laughs> What's your blood type? Oh, negative. Oh, Darn so it. that's meat eaters. <laughs> I know. I'm B positive. Oh, I have no idea what. To... Totally go. I don't know what that. You means. You can go pretty veggie if you want. Yeah, yeah I cool. feel best when I'm veggie. Yeah, but every once in a while I'm like, yeah, I'm eat a cow. Yeah. <laughs> totally <laughs> sorry, I'm from India. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so true. Don't worry. There's only like a third left of Ayurvedic. The other third are like allopathic medicine. They're eating meat and taking Viagra or <laughs> Prozac or whatever it is, and then uh, homeopathic, like yeah. naturopaths at the third, they have like a big UK influence, of course. They're yeah. queen, queen mom till the 40s, right? Um, ruled India, so yeah. it's like not... Not a pretty sight, though. No. Gosh. That was a bad, that wasn't a yeah. good rule. <laughs> no, no, it's not, it's not good. <laughs> but the influence remains, and the coolest yeah. thing that comes from that is the harmonium. That's completely <gasps> British instrument. It has nothing to do with India. And it's been adopted better there than in any other culture Isn't musically. Interesting. Maybe the Beatles. <laughs> they have a fair amount of harmonia. Well, yeah, because they spend a lot of time. <laughs> exactly, Mahishi. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's one good thing I can think of. The seventh Beatle. Yeah. <laughs> so He wanted to be a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> so now how is it a part of... Do you, do you teach meditation? I now? do. I, yeah, I stopped for a while um, when I had my son... You stopped doing meditation or you stopped teaching? Pretty much both, oh. to be honest. Like, How did when you train you? to meditate, you do this process for up to 18 hours a day of meditation. And I remember our teacher saying, okay, so the 20 minutes twice a day that you've been doing for the last about decade or so, 
is, uh, you know, it's like money in the bank. It's adding up. Um, when you get to these 18-hour-a-day advanced levels of meditation, you're really going to feel superhuman. Um, and they'll hold, you know. To meditate now with, with a group, my teacher will close his eyes and enjoy the... To, like, have a glass of wine at a party, you know, to sit and just have sort of a common interest. But the need to close your eyes and repeat a mantra sort of leaves. And I've seen that, too. Like, the effect has become more permanent. It just is... It's, in other words, it's just a part of your essence. Yeah. You don't... Like you don't... Yeah. <laughs> you don't need the, the bells and whistles. Yeah. If you will. But I still love the process, which most three and three quarter year olds don't appreciate when you close your eyes and ignore them for 20 minutes. <laughs> so I'm uh, doing two times a day. Are you minutes. teaching your son meditation? I haven't yet. You know, I was just considering that. Because um, I know little kids meditate. Yeah. I've seen it. I've had even three year old students before and they do a walking meditation. Um, in this tradition, yeah. nobody meditates um, with eyes closed until they're about eight or nine and then they meditate as long as they are old because they'll get so enchanted they won't want to open their eyes and they'll uh you know you want them to be in the the real world reality um not just the subtle layers kids are already in tune with all the subtle layers of life it's learning the gross reality gross i don't mean like i mean like (laughs) (laughs) right there are moments i know that's oddly (laughs) the same word right yeah i think that, that actually is quite fitting yeah but you want them um, sense of time, which I still feel I can bend. Wouldn't be a good thing to teach, <laughs> maybe in the beginning. Like, of course you can bend time and be anywhere at any place. When you're trying to learn, like, to get to school, that's a debate my husband and I have a lot. How do you mean? <laughs> well, because I think if you were particularly like public or even private schooling, they'd say, "Well, we want you here at nine. The bell will ring." So if you want to teach your child, but time is. Irrelevant. And, yeah, yeah. and liquid. It's, it's a liquid state. <laughs> they might freeze in at nine thirteen and go, time is not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's balancing that. But. I've had experiences. I don't know if you have, but I, I remember reading in college about um, people who could shift time yeah. by, like, they would, and it, and it manifested in different ways. Like, a uh, woman walking down the road at night and senses someone behind her and turns and sees a man walking behind her predatorily. And I don't know if that's a yeah, real word, but I'm going right. to make it up if it's not. And, uh, and then the next thing, she's like across a bridge and he's miles away and she doesn't know how she got there or whatever. So cool. And Or the person who's driving and then is suddenly somewhere, oh, yeah. you know. And in a way, a lot of us zone out when we're driving and we're bending time because yeah. we'll all of a sudden appear and, and no time. But... I swear I've had moments in my life where I said, okay, I really need this next hour to last about two hours, if that's cool. Yes. And it all works out. It it's But it's out. so bizarre. I, I, I don't know how it works, but it works. I know. And, you know. And sometimes it's minutes and sometimes, I don't know, it's bizarre. And doesn't everyone experience that in a crisis where it tends to feel like forever? Yes. Yes. Or a dream. You know, there's an article which you may actually really enjoy. You brought up neuroscience. My favorite neuroscientist is uh, David Eagleman. I just love the way he talks and what he writes about and the things he thinks about. And I discovered him. I was on a plane uh, and I was reading a New Yorker and there was an article called The Possibilian about him. 
and it was it's April twenty fifth, two thousand eleven, is the is the date of the article, and uh, it's all about how when he was little, he fell off the roof of his parents' house, and as he was falling, he experienced that sense of time slowing, mm-hmm. and it made me think about when I was in high school, I got in a really bad car accident, and the time that transpired inside of the car versus what was happening on the outside of the car were completely different time signatures. Everything on the inside of the car was massive slow motion. Yes. Whereas everyone (laughs) witnessing it on the outside saw it going rapid, the car flipping many times, you know, and that always took, so I was reading this article about it and he's then dedicated his scientific mind to, to trying to figure out how the brain senses time. Oh, cool. I was like, okay, he has me. Right? I'm done. I went so far as I'm like, is he married? He's very sexy. He was, he's married. Oh, but, um, but I find it so fascinating. And I remember this one time as a little girl needing a drink of water and waking up and getting out of bed and everything around me. It was, it was like I was stuck in some weird it's hard to explain, but it was like everything around me was moving at a different rate than myself. And I went into my bath. I'll never forget this. I went into my bathroom and I turned on the light and I noticed that my arm was moving at a weird rate. And I went to turn on the water and the water came out at like 500 times the normal rate. And, but everything around it was slower. It was so bizarre. And I'm like, am I awake right now? Thinking I yeah. maybe I was dreaming, right. and I was like, "No, I'm definitely awake." But like a settler state. Yeah, yeah, it was very strange, yeah. and that happened to me twice as a child, where time fractured. Oh, that's so cool. So I'm like, "Time, this is a makeup. Yeah. This is all make believe." This <laughs> is like, and when you start to look at the like twelve hours and how they relate to the twelve tone scale and the twelve months, think like, so much, and all you start to realize it's sort of arbitrary. It's definitely arbitrary. Like, some fractals and chaos kind of stuff where we're assigning. Yeah. For what reason, I guess, to try to align that 365, but sometimes 366 days in a year because we're just trying to match how and why we rotate around the sun. It is so fun. Look, I spent, you know, as a childhood thinking, I know if I just concentrate enough, I can walk through this wall. I love it. But I never never really accomplished it, but there's still a part of me that... Everyone's while looks at a wall thinking, I bet I could get through that. I'm not yeah. sure how yet, but one day I'll maybe figure it out. And it's weird to think those thoughts as our quote-unquote rational human being. But then you go to somewhere like India. And they're like, of course. Of course oh you my can <laughs> Yeah, It moves his body all over the place. What yeah. are you talking about? You know, and I go, I thought I wasn't crazy. I thought I could fly. And then I thought this as a kid and it wasn't quite a dream, but it wasn't quite awake. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. My teacher, we live in this dome where people fly all the time. And I'm going... Not so crazy, but it is a subtler world, and it's what a lot of artists see. And they typically do get diagnosed in the West with not good names, from ADD to bipolar to schizophrenic to um, borderline personality disorder to rapid cycling type 2 bipolar to, you know, and I'm like, ADHD. Uh, yeah, it is interesting. The West really wants to give you a label Yeah, when it's just... Man, I see and feel things differently yeah. than the next person. And, and typically more subtly, which is hard. Because um, people go, what are you talking about? It is this temperature or it is this noise level. Like, quit being such a baby. <laughs> Princess in the pea. Yeah. And sadhus. 
in India look just like the homeless man on the corner in every city in America that I've ever been to, ever. That really wild-eyed... Explain what a sadhu is. A sadhu is a man who's typically given up his um, worldly possessions. He's usually reached a point in his marriage and his life where his kids are grown, yep, and he doesn't need to be supporting them and working a job to feed a family, and he wants to go on a quest. Um, They'll wear saffron color, a robe, typically, and they'll have a long beard and a really wild (laughs) look in their eyes and unkempt hair. And maybe one of them be bathing, because some of them live in caves, traditionally, or just kind of rely on people being interested in what they are uh, downloading from mm-hmm. sort of the ether or the mm-hmm. muse or some universal truth points. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there, they're fed and cared for and revered, whereas here it's kind of like, oh gosh, do I give the... I mean, I hear the word bomb, or, you know, it's like totally different. Except for in the movies, because you ever notice that the homeless people in the movies are the wise... That's true. They're, the, they're, they're prophets, right? Yeah. You walk past and then they kind of mumble, the crazy lunatic homeless true. people mumble the the prophecies. But then again, creative people make movies, <laughs> so they it's know, really good point. and they're yeah. out there studying and yeah. traveling and seeking, so to them, that's like... So fascinating. Yeah. Are you going to go back, you think? Oh, yeah. I was actually thinking about for my 40th birthday, which is coming up. Um, it's so hard when you have a child because mm. you really... To have any kind of growth or art, there is this really important part of just self-centeredness. I wouldn't say selfishness, but being really self-centric for a while. Like people in recovery, people that are healing from wounds, people that are like literally hospitalized... Um, artists creating something that's important and that's the only time where it's kind of acceptable i think in our culture and society outside of like social (laughs) media um and then there's this time where you're a mom and that's still important in the sense of like having a workout and eating well and tell your child no i'm going to take this bath and you're not going to bother me but to go away for a long time that's the one where i'm going oh gosh yeah, especially because you know. he's at such an impressionable age yeah. for something like that. And I was thinking, oh, it'd be so fun to take him with me, but that's double the money. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, huh. Plus, yeah. he's away from my husband, from his dad. And yeah. Which I don't think they'd mind. I think the experience would be worth it, but then you're like in a hospital and your mom's off having an oil, turmeric, <laughs> steam, you know, and you're like, what do I do? I'm, I'm four, because <laughs> he'll be four yeah. uh, next month. And yeah. So I'm really debating, but I know they'd love to have him. Yeah. And all the people, I mean, I remember being both times in the hospital, we were dealing with people dying, literally dying. And there'd be nothing better than a little joyful, vibrant child, you know, a woman that got out of her wheelchair from MS and a person that was getting into a wheelchair. Um, a kid that had been in a coma since he was 19 and was now 23. Wow. And was taking treatments from Dr. Raju, just wheeled in on a stretcher. I mean, not that was starting to make sounds, which sounded like a zombie to me, but that's because he hadn't used his speech muscles in four years. And, you know, watching him kind of come back to life, just fascinating. I can tell that. But that's also, whew, that's a lot for a four year old, Tina. So I just yeah. decided. Although I feel like in America, we don't give our kids enough credit. That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. You look at a child in other parts of the world that's that age, and they are wise beyond yeah. their years. That's so true. Our neighbor just passed, and it was. She did not die immediately. 
so the ambulance took her away, but Ryman was outside playing, our friend who's two was outside with him, and I remember thinking, how much do I protect them? There's, there's blood and gore, because she's had a fall, she's 97, um, but it's also real life, she's like a beautiful old woman who's led a beautiful life, and there's blood because it's a head wound, like the head bleeds, and I was right, it ended up not even being a hematoma, no concussion, nothing. All, what happened, unfortunately, is she broke C1, C2. Mm-hmm. So, ultimately, that was the pain. But she's lying there, and she's not even in pain yet because she's in shock from the fall. And I'm like, there's a pool of blood, and I don't want the little kids to be terrified. But I also don't want to sequester them away and make it scary, like this moment, and then mommy and the ambulance and fire department were here. And so I would kind of like, was really cognizant of coming back in and saying, well, most of this hurt. Like, her head has blood, but she says it's been hurt bad, so it's like when you scrape yourself and get blood, and, you know, I guess we should wash that when, when she gets to the hospital, but we'll bring her a blanket, and, you know, they stayed in with, with my girlfriend, she's the mom of the two-year-old, and I'm so glad that we sculpted that, because they remember it as a very sad day, because Miss Elizabeth fell, but she lived for two more days, so they also, the two-year-old wouldn't talked about this, but Ryman, you know. She also did pass at the hospital, but then she was with her family and friends. And then dying is sad when you're four. You don't want to die ever, so that, you know, comes up. But then seeing the firemen and the ambulance, seeing how happy she was, you know, being kind of helped by people that dedicate their lives to helping, you know, it's true that it has not been traumatic at all. But that's the thing, it's, it's multi-layered. Yeah. Because life is multi-layered. It's not just like, death is tragic, life is wonderful. It's, it's not like that at all. Life right. is tragic, death can be wonderful. Yeah. Depending, I mean, if you're 97, exactly. you're like, I feel pretty good about this right now, you know? There, a friend of mine's mother recently passed, and I went and I, I wish I had gotten her uh, on the podcast, but by the time it occurred to me, she was too far gone. She's dying of cancer, and I had a lovely conversation with her. She had zero fear of mm. death. She was right with everything. And um, just the wisdom of this woman, it just felt good to be around her. Yes. You know? Yes. And we, we Americans are terrified, of course, of yes. death. Absolutely. Our own yes. mortality. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, that's, I don't know if you know, this is like delving into some stuff, but part of that I think comes from the newest versions of Christianity, like King James forward, because um, a great fear tactic was to remove reincarnation from any spiritual teachings, any teachings of Jesus or any of the old gospels. Like I have, um, I'm trying to remember the name, it's a really... It would be considered, like, quite out there now in the branches of Christianity, but it's kind of based on older... The Gnostics? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 We're like, well, of course. <laughs> yeah. What are you Gnostics. talking about? It was in the Bible, but they just... Oh, they took those out? Have... They, they yeah. Absolutely, they took those out, because if you read them, it, they're basically saying, you got this. Not only you got this, but you are God. Right. Like, everything is already inside of you, and you can't rule somebody who's a or walking incarnation of, <laughs> no. you know... Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, so fascinating. Yes. Which is funny because most of the older um, people I meet, they're starting to come to this neat peace with their own faith, of whatever faith it is. Sure. That has a lot less ruling and a lot less fear. Yeah. And a lot more peace. Yeah. Which, like, all religions tend to have these cross points of, yeah. oh, yeah, that's what they say there. That's what 
Jesus said, that's weird, that's what the Buddha taught, that's what, you know, because they're universal truths, they're undeniable. Universal truths. Yeah. Absolutely. And, like, I guess if you're only going to have one life, you better really follow (laughs) what you're told. Yeah. Because that's it. But I start to sense this just way less fear, you know. Yeah. uh, As people age and start facing death, usually with terminal illness or... Well, it can go either way, too. I mean, there are those that fight it tooth and nail, I suppose. But, I mean, I hope you're right. It's funny. I have moments where I think, if this were my last breath, would I be like, no, not yet. Or would I be like, okay, it's cool because I'll be right back. Or, (laughs) you know, maybe I'll take a minute. But but I believe in reincarnation, personally. Which, you know, I talked to my father, Mr. Scientist, and he's like, okay, you know, we have these really lovely conversations about it. He thinks I'm slightly crazy, of course. <laughs> I love it. But, you know, but he's respectful about yeah. it. And uh, the older he gets, he used to be, I would say, atheist. But yeah. the older he gets, like, I, I think he's now more agnostic. Totally. Because why not, why not hedge kids. your bets, right? <laughs> totally. I've really watched that happen. And I love, Maharishi was a physicist. Mm, and I he didn't know that. And he's very science-minded. And um, he always had the best way of describing reincarnation. Because it would explain to me why there was a boy here in Tennessee who remembered how to fly planes. He was a war pilot. You remember this? I saw that special. It's on YouTube if anybody wants to watch it. And I'll put links of everything we've been talking about. I'll probably have to email you and say, send me some information. I'll stick it on the website because it's fun fun to give people that information. Yeah, I saw that. He he said, oh, I went down in this plane and this was my best friend and this was my name. Yeah. Yeah. That was so cool. And that was like a, like a pretty Christian family. It's like the South. That's pretty pure. What are you doing to us, son? What are you talking about? So that's some purely uninfluenced um, expression of that. Whereas then I watched The Unmistaken Child, where um, it's one of the llamas. Uh, I think there are 14 of the Dalai Lama, if I remember right. And... Um, this is a culture where they completely believe in reincarnation. And as this mom is dying, one of his students is like, I can't live without you. This is terrifying. Like, you're my, you tell me what to do and I can't make it. So he says, that's fine. You know, come find me. I'll reincarnate somewhere. And this documentary is fascinating. What's it called? The Unmistaken Child. Okay, I'm going to have to watch yeah. it. I love <laughs> documentaries. Really fun. It's really good. And, um... So in between that is Maharishi's concept of um, how you can explain these memories or experiences um, if you look at an ocean of water. And within that ocean, if we were each to be our own mason jar, it's kind of the whole point in meditation. We can totally talk about that later if we want to, because it's like why teach meditation. But if you're this jar that contains its own water, which is soul, spirit, life, consciousness, life force, whatever you call it, you place that mason jar in the ocean and the water's not really going anywhere because the jar is full. Um, As you live life, like little bits of that water leave and little bits of new water uh, come in, but it's still all the same ocean. But people start to typically uh, change, (laughs) become a little more expanded or different. Um, because the water that is all of us, we're all one, is vaguely, slowly getting into that jar. But one day, death, a hammer, taps that jar. 
And so the container is missing. We can't mm. immediately identify that's jar. Susan, that's jar, Alyssa. <laughs> but the water's still not really going anywhere yet. And over time, it starts to move. So if a new jar quickly scoops it up, there'll be so many more memories and so much more of the same exact mm. particles of water. Whereas if a little time passes and like a little bit's moving over towards Japan, maybe from the coast of Hawaii, when you scoop up the jar, there's only two or three drops that were That's the a water. Great metaphor. That, isn't it good? And yeah. It just made so much sense yeah. to me. I was like, By the way, wow. I have a picture of him in my car. Oh, how cool! Yeah, he really? sits right in my little in my little cupholdery thing behind a, a a little Christmas ornament that I cut apart that just says joy. Oh, I love <laughs> it's it. It's a little reminder. That's so cool. So I just look at that. I'm like, cool dude. I'm I now. love <laughs> it. Do you meditate? Uh. You know, it's funny. I do, I do the hip, hip, the stuff I listen to at night. Mm-hmm. Sometimes um, there's stuff on YouTube, and I listen to that, cool. and it puts me out. And uh, and I wake up at the end of it, and I remember certain things, like meeting my higher selves or all that stuff. Oh, that's but so um, cool. I look. All, my philosophy, at least presently, is that this is all a meditation. This is a meditation. <laughs> when I'm eating my dinner, it's a meditation. When I'm walking, it's a meditation. When I'm you know, taking a shower is a meditation. It's just, it's just, for me, it's just a moment of knowing where you are and, yeah. and being in that. Am I like that all the time? No, of course I forget, like everyone else. But I've tried doing the sit on the, the, the thing, and and I'm like, like yeah. the ADD, you know? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. la, 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 and my brain starts torture. <laughs> so that's a little tough. But I have practiced in my lifetime. Um, I have not yet gotten to a point where it feels like the right thing yet i i wanted to do after listening to the um to the uh uh experiments in truth the ram das lectures i was like i should try this tm stuff and then i heard this really hilarious podcast where these girls in la were like because everyone in la does tm yeah and uh (laughs) they're like they gave us our our om or you know our our chant and then we found out that it was related to our birthdays, and then all you know, everyone with that birthday gets that chant, and blah, 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 and they were so devastated. They yeah. paid like four hundred dollars for the chant. I'm like, first of all, I don't want four hundred dollars to pay for a chant. And second of all, <laughs> I do really feel like a lot of my life is in practice. So you know, I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. I always say, oh, I need to, I need to just sit and just be. And I do. I love being alone. I'm a big loner. Yeah. And like you, I when I go into groups of people and stuff, I feel very, like, what? what? Yeah. You know, it's an awkward feeling. Yeah. Like an interloper, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, interloper. Wait, yeah. explain. I'm like this. An interloper, like, um, like they're all they're all there for a purpose. They all are part of the same clan or, or you know experience or whatnot and then here I come and I'm like yes. this is also oh alien to me you know so I've been an interloper my whole life when I was little I called I always said fishbowl that's what oh. I said I was like I feel like I'm in a fishbowl floating through the world and you know people tap on the glass and I'm like what what's going on you yeah. know but now I know it feels more like I just you know alien the yeah feeling of being an alien yes where you keep thinking uh, anytime now, you come yep. back for me. <laughs> I'm me. ready. I've got a bag. I don't need the bag. No, I'll just, you know. Like, they, like we stopped at a, I always make this joke, you know, the alien family stopped at the gas station and I got out to pee and then I came back out and they were gone. I was like, what oh the fuck? Come back. 
I've been waiting ever since. Whatever. That's so funny. Yeah. So E.T. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I grew up loving and I did find Yeah. It. And of course, George Lucas as well had all his great, literally alien, you know, Star Wars films in his, I mean, Maharishi was his teacher, that's who Yoda, that's why he speaks that way, because yeah. that's how Maharishi literally sounds, he's got that very weird, like, that strange voice, and everything's backwards, because English is his second language, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yoda speaks just like him, and Yoda was a very good guru, impressed me just the same way that Maharishi did. So you said it's to, that you wanted to say why you meditate, so why, what is the... Oh, yeah. I think it's that experience of um, ocean, just being ocean, of oneness. Like, I've heard that said a million times. We're all one. And like, if you're just looking at science, uh, my friend's father is a gravitational physicist. And then, cool. I know. <laughs> it's fun. And then, so she's always talking that and nuclear physics and all these things where, again, you're like, it's your leptocork really like all matter this doesn't really exist it's all left a quirk it would drive me nuts why then can i touch it <laughs> don't tell me it doesn't exist or i'm the same because i have skin that you breathes and that's metal yeah, yeah it would make me crazy yeah don't say that he's like me because he's mean <laughs> well because what he's reflecting he is you yeah it's a different a wave reflecting this way in the sun instead of a wave being down on the water being still right so same Shit, sorry to say, but it is. Just the, there's nobody that's wrong or stupid or different. Right. And, um, but I always feel all of those things. Or I think the other person is, you know, either, either or. Especially when it comes to politics or social sure. life. Or, you know, and I don't want to feel that's a waste of time and it's upsetting. And, but I can't understand what you're saying to me when you say we're all one. So I decide to experience it with meditation to just feel at peace to just even want to live life to be really blunt you know I just don't think I was interested really in mm-hmm. in it until I really experienced oh even the people that I think I detest they're actually me they're quite the same we were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier when you came in mm-hmm. it just makes for a much more pleasant experience it's like it's like when i went and talked to that grand dragon in the kkk never in a million years would i think i'm gonna go sit in this guy's living room and have a conversation and the reality is he's a human being yeah and it's easy to go that's not a human being right that's the easiest thing in the world to do that's right but in a way by doing that it empowers all the things that he thinks yeah to me, in my philosophy, you know, That's so, so true. for me to be able to sit and talk to him and be like, hey, mirror, mirror, mirror yeah. on the wall, you know, yeah. if I had been raised by your parents, I'd be you. Yeah. If you had been raised by my parents, you'd be me. Yeah. In a way, in a way, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's so easy to forget that, you know, it's fascinating stuff. Isn't it though? Humans, crazy kids. No. It's so cool. It's hard to wrap your brain around. And there is, there is a very powerful thing about... I mean, I've sat in a medita- like I've gone to Buddhist meditation and sat in a room with other Buddhists. I'm not Buddhist, but I, I'm interested in the practice. You know, like all religions and practices, I find them fascinating. Yeah. And so I want to experience them. Instead of just reading about it in a book, I'm like, oh, I want, I want to go check it out. And there is something very... 
inexplicable. There, in, in other words, no words for being in a room. Everyone's meditating. Everyone's it, it's bizarre. You almost yeah. think you're going to open your eye and see somebody floating <laughs> so a little bit, or, or, or that you might be floating. And it's so wild. I watched um, the documentary. It's called uh, Particle Fever about the Higgs uh, particle, the God particle oh at CERN. You know, and they were trying okay. to find it. And uh, want to watch this? Oh, yeah, it's really, <laughs> okay. really, really cool. And you know, there's the theoretical physicists, and then the the regular, whatever I call regular physicists. And I dig the theoretical physicists because they're imagining these things, and then they spend their lifetime trying to prove that they exist. You know, or not exist, and uh, I love that. That, that, that it's so a whole philosophy built on faith, really. Uh, I mean, all science, in a way, is faith. Yeah, you know, because you have. I call it a religion. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, even the way that you I can think be. It's true. Yeah, you said a gravitational physicist. I just said <laughs> it in my mind. I picture like. At home, he's working on, you know, math problems, and as he's writing, he starts to float, and then he he erases that, and he goes back down in his chair, and then he writes something else, and he, like, uh, I mean, why not? Yeah. Why not? No, that's what's baffling, and that's what, like, on the grosser levels is just impossible. I'll tell you this quickly, because this, like, changed my world. When I, the first time that I was in India, Dr. Raju would do a lecture. I think at this point, if I've heard right, and I would have to verify this to really say it's true, but, but he qualifies as a saint. And it has to do with um, how you help people and, you know, for profit or not, and the kind of things you can achieve. Um, some would say miracles. Some would say, like, science. But um, he was helping a woman... Somewhere in the West, I feel like it was Iowa, but I could be wrong, who was diagnosed as a schizophrenic. And part of paranoid schizophrenia is that you hear voices and you hear things that don't exist. Um, But the time difference was so off, and he does so much work with people that travel 18 hours that don't have money to even take the train, that his schedule is really strict. So he could only talk to her at 3 o'clock in her morning which was like two o'clock afternoon, his time in India. And she sounded crazy to <laughs> most people and was medicated for it because she would hear these pots and pans and this banging and he, people would say, what? Oh my God, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. There's not pots and pans and this banging that you're talking about. But he said, sure enough, 3 a.m., her time is a very subtle, most people are sleeping, so subtle levels of the world are being expressed. And he gets on the phone with her, and he immediately hears the pots and pans and the banging. <laughs> and he goes, you're not crazy or schizophrenic. You're experiencing life on all the most intricate, subtle levels. And if you're not going to be a healer or be, you know, sort of, making art or living that life, there's no need for it. You could, we could give you some herbs and things that would tone that down. You don't need to. I, as a physician, have to know when somebody's touched, been near my food and they're sick because I can't afford to be sick because I'm helping people. You don't need that skill. Like, you can have a cold. <laughs> you can live a more, if, if, if this is not what you want. Yes. And that was like life-changing for me because wow. we have the Van Goghs cutting off their ears because of the things they hear. And, um, and feel. Yes. God, feel. 
feeling is a bitch. Kurt Cobain's, like, <laughs> that just go, I know that people want me to die, but this is, like, part of my... Why do you know that? What are you talking about? But maybe on some subtle level, he was tuning into something. And you can. You can choose to. And if you're going to be an artist and starve and live like a homeless person, that's great. <laughs> you know, I've done it a thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> like, totally sure. down for it. Yeah. But some people aren't. And maybe you don't need to medicate them with these horrible side effect drugs or yellow five or blue lake one. <laughs> Treating anyway with our food and our fluoride. Don't even get me started. Yeah. But... Maybe you can either help them learn to express themselves and live in this subtle world and use that power to heal, or you can help them tone it down, like with really warm oils and foods. And mm -hmm. it just was like a no-brainer to him, where she had spent her life in and out of treatment and hospitals. so he helped heal her in a minute. You know, yeah. and I was like, oh, that is another thing that I, my father and I talk about. You know, he's a big western medicine guy of course scientist you know and mm -hmm. and and i say to him you know there are subtleties to the human that western science doesn't have a yeah. grasp on and all they really wanted and i'm, I'm speaking in a gross gen generality which you know to anyone listening out there that's a doctor i don't mean to offend but it's it, it's almost a, an assuredness that you walk into a doctor you say this has been uh, ongoing, plaguing me for you know a couple months, whatever it is, and they're like, "Take this pill." Yeah. Not, let's get to the root of this. Yeah. Did you have an emotional trauma that's triggered eczema? Did you, you know, did you have some sort of other? Is there stress things? Is there this? Is there that? They don't go down into the marrow of the human yeah. where the truth lies. Yep. They <laughs> just the go truth. take this pill. Yep. The Matrix pill, I guess. <laughs> right? And and it just truly, actually, in a lot of cases, makes people sicker. Because yeah. it makes them more dependent on whatever drug they're being told to take. Which is a shame. Yep. But it sells a lot of money. You know, it makes a lot of money for a lot of people. So true. Yeah. It's, it's very... I'm not dissing modern medicine. Mold was a revolutionary miracle. Right. You know? Right. I'm not dissing that at all, but um, I do think that a lot could be said for digging in a little deeper. So true. If you take, if you have, let's say, a growth growing on your leg, and I said, oh, here, come into my office, and I just snipped the top of it off and put a band-aid on it, guess what? Yep. It's going to grow back. <laughs> you know, the root of what it is is down deep inside of you, yep. and unless I get to that root and... and truly remove all that it's anyway i can go on and on and on all this stuff <laughs> so i think about true. this stuff all the we time we have to hang out always <laughs> <laughs> but it's true it's like there's so much all right so i'm changing tact again because you said and i'm so impressed that you you learned these languages this, I, I don't that is I'm so impressive to me which languages? Well, you said you know some Sanskrit. Oh, that you yeah. Some like, I'm talking yeah. like if I were trying to say I spoke Spanish, I say hola. <laughs> I learned some more. So you, My Sanskrit's fairly good just yeah. because I have to study so much, but just like a yoga teacher would or a. So, you know, what is your favorite uh, word that is not of your native tongue? Of all these different Ooh, languages. That's a really good one. I'm going to have to go with right now. This would change, like, by the minute. And we're working on Spanish with my son, so I'm, like, 
I'm totally into Spanish right now. But I want to go some more Sanskrit. <laughs> Humbra masmi isn't actually a phrase. Say it again. Humbra masmi. Humbra masmi. Mm-hmm. And we usually have like an ah in front. And in Sanskrit, also at the end sometimes. But a humbra masmi sort of means, in a loose translation, I am the totality. Mm. Or I am fulfillment. Or I am complete. There's not a thing that I'm seeking outside of anyone but me. <laughs> That's cool. Isn't that cool? It is cool. It's a good phrase to use if you're feeling scared or stressed. Um, Don't you feel like for so many people when they're seeking, as they seek and seek and seek, and then they touch that thing that becomes their touchstone, that thing that that it was actually in them the whole time. Yeah. That's why yeah. it speaks to them because, wait a minute, it resonates from within. Yeah. It's never out here. It's It's been there the whole time. It's like that... Um, that moment when uh, the good witch tells Dorothy, you had the power to go home yes, all along. Yes, so I love the Of course you're doing that. It, it's, it's, <laughs> yes. You know, I had this great epiphany driving, like I was driving to work one morning. This is so crazy. And my brain just goes wherever it goes. And all of a sudden in my mind, and it was so perfect for what I needed during that time anyway. Um, but I was driving and in my mind I saw, you know, in the Wizard of Oz where the witch goes across and Dorothy looks up and it says surrender Dorothy yeah and everybody panics right, right. and Dorothy's like fuck you know oh, I probably shouldn't have said that with a four year old upstairs but um you know Dorothy's like oh my gosh and it struck me in that moment in my car I actually burst into tears because I realized that it wasn't surrender Dorothy like rah 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 it was surrender Dorothy <laughs> and guess what it'll be way easier but she yeah. she goes through the struggles she deals with all the strife she does all that stuff only to find that she had the power the whole time and if she had just it, it chokes me up now just to talk about yeah. it if she had just started I'm driving my car sobbing over this <laughs> yeah. realization that it took my whole entire life to get yeah, I I've seen that movie a thousand times. You and know why drive me in my car that, that day? <laughs> Did it, it hit you? It hit me so. Well, that's what meditation does. That same thing. Yeah, it's like instead of taking acid, which or having an ayahuasca <laughs> trip or eating mushrooms, which people can really successfully do, and I'm yeah. not bagging those, but sometimes you'll see when their physiology wasn't in line with their that enlightenment moment. Yeah, they look crazy afterwards. They sure. never are quite the same. So when you slow and steady, you yeah. see that movie and you read these books. That's what meditation does. It's yeah. like slowly opens the mind to that moment. Like, I wish I could just have Jesus come and tap me on the forehead like he did to some of those disciples. And even some of my born-again friends, I'm like, how do you do it? They don't know how. Yeah. They don't have the answer. It just happened. Well, they've done brain scans on people doing meditation. And it, it's the same it, thing as being on slow and steady. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and it will open that mind and the physiology will stay in line. Yeah. I spent my 16th year very high. On, yeah. very, on, L- with you. on LSD and or pot yeah, like for was, the whole year I was just like right there with you it was awesome <laughs> and I, I would never trade that out Timothy of Leary I got really into all his studies and the why you couldn't maintain an LSD hallucination past day three if you dosed three days in a row and all these kind of cool stuff and they're all the same as meditation yeah I look back and I'm like maybe I also needed some physical exercise and some meditation way more than I needed those drugs. Well, that's, teaching <laughs> yeah. it in schools is not such a horrible I idea. Know. I agree. 
And they've they've shown stu- I've read studies of that that the students that do meditation in their classroom their test scores are higher their concentration levels are higher they're happier kids you know it makes sense yeah. it's re like your brain is just this electric staticky wet gooey thing yep. that's like it, it makes total sense it's so cool it is so cool <laughs> and we're getting there like David Lynch Foundation. Paul McCartney's a big part of that, like getting meditation in schools and um, not doing any of where it's from or why so that we're not having to deal with like... The religion. Exactly. Yeah. So you could be like the purest... Just relaxing. Or the like most conservative Jew or the whatever and still get to meditate and it could yeah. only enhance your own faith yeah. and you could do it in school and you wouldn't be crossing boundaries and I love that they're really working and finding ways to bring that to people in it's, high schools. It's wonderful. Cheryl Crow, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. They're all part of that. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Uh, now you're inspiring me to think that my son's school would love it. Yeah. Ah. You can't instruct in the Reggio Amelia based. It's like an Italian um, form of learning that's all play based. So it would be like just trying to do something that might be fun for you that would bring your own meditative state so there'd be no instruction. That would be really cool. What's the hardest thing for you when you're teaching meditation to, to impart on to, your students? Um, let them know that there's no... You don't meditate and have a wonderful experience because your mind is clear. That never happens. You don't achieve nirvana because you were able to sit... <laughs> Still, and everything erased. It's quite the opposite. You're usually sitting, and your mind is quite full. But that mantra will typically be so charming, like a beautiful melody or this like Rachmaninoff piece that I've always loved. That's always intrigued me. That just like pulls my mind away, and I can't hear anything else. Whenever that comes on, even in a movie, it will distract me. Um, that's what this mantra does. And so, because you're so enchanted by this mantra, problems leave. The mind quiets for a moment. That's the opposite of what I always thought it was. Like, I thought I had to achieve that, and then I would feel happy or silent. It's the opposite. So So they'll be having thoughts, or they'll be having, like, but my mind talks. Yeah, good. It's always seeking greater happiness. That's the mind's job. That's a good job. Yeah. (laughs) To seek greater happiness. Yeah. Good. Man. We just have so many more options now that it gets, it's more exhausting because maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe I should type this, maybe I should go in here, maybe it's what if I check this? (laughs) But it will be so enchanting, that mantra. Um, Even in TM, you know, where they are like, the Beatles famously kind of found out a lot of them had the same mantra too and they were so mad, but then they still went and did it. Yeah. It was so charming. Like, that's why we all like the same pop song. (laughs) Sorry, but it's, Charming. Yeah. Like, like her or not, whatever yeah. the artist is at the moment that I go, oh, I can't believe it's a hit, but I love it. <laughs> I want to hear it kind of, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for a reason. The brain likes what the brain yes. likes. It's, I mean, that goes down to mathematics. Right? And, and, you know, and re- repetition and, yeah, it's the universal truth. So it is. Yeah. And that's why that constant repetition becomes so powerful. Even if you're 20 minutes of meditation is like, oh my gosh, but I didn't do this and I forgot to buy this. There's a whole <laughs> mess up, right? Yeah, exactly. Fine. Yeah. yeah. Still correct. And So how can people find you? Are you teaching right now? I've just started having people ask again. So I was 
talking today about just reactivating the site. It's just Nashville Meditation Center. Okay. Because um, I do feel sort of a duty. I've had people that have, like, literally a woman that suffered panic attacks for 20 years just erase them. Wow. It took her own work and her own time, and she's with me since about 2009. But, man, I realized. Okay, and then with Mom's story, I get a lot of people that are, know someone battling cancer. What we called it was in negotiations with cancer because <laughs> we didn't want it to be a battle. <laughs> we oh, I like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you ever read Bill Moyer's Healing of the Mind? Ooh, no, but oh, you should now I'm going to have to have a list from you. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great book. <laughs> but it, it's, you know, he interviewed all these people from all over, all these different uh, uh, modalities of medicine and Eastern and Western, all this stuff. And the bottom line, of course, is that the mind... <laughs> That's where it is. You know, if your brain yeah. says... And they, they see that the people who are, as you said, in negotiations with cancer, who, let's say, watch comedies all day long, yep. that they're, they have a stronger survival rate. Yep. People who go into it going, yeah, this is nothing. Yep. Their survival rate, or that talk to their body and, and all that yep. stuff. And there are people out there that think that's crazy, of course. But... I mean, there were people that didn't know quarks existed, and then guess what? They've always been there. Yep. It just took time to find them. <laughs> you know, it's you could argue for anything, yep. really, if you wanted to be argumentative. But why not try? So true. Why not try and heal? Yeah, you probably really dig that book. Yeah, with love. Yeah, healing the mind. Awesome. Uh, Bill Moyer, who's awesome. Bill, uh, you know, he did all the Joseph Campbell stuff. Bill oh, Moyer cool. Did. Yeah, because didn't they talk about that a little bit? And they um, do. Yeah, absolutely. secret. I think they were all involved in. Yeah, even. Um, Esther Hicks originally, but I don't see her anymore in the news. I don't either. But then again, yeah, I don't watch the news <laughs> anymore. It's super depressing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, this is happy. So lovely. I feel like I can talk to you for hours. But, um, I know. Uh, so it's National Meditation Center. Center. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'll, I'll have to read. It's hidden right now, so I'll just have to. Oh, okay. Open that site back up. Yeah. Basically, I didn't want people asking to learn and I couldn't find the time when you couldn't do it sure sure but it's like the demand is back and yeah you just have to make time yeah. <laughs> so yeah. and Ryman's four now almost so yeah he'll be more open to it yeah. he used to really enjoy it I'd do a little retreat weekend at the house when yeah. this was the old house yeah and um now there's more room so it could be even better yeah well this room has great energy yeah Totally agree. For real. And it's, we're partially submerged, that's why. So uh, those negative ions. Uh, like, that's Earth. <laughs> if you look I'm a big way. fan. I'm a Taurus, so me and awesome. Earth are like <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah, I spent most of my childhood barefoot. I'm, you know, yeah, that's totally. definitely. You, you probably did too, because you're Pisces. Totally. Yeah. You need that grounding. Uh, oh. Thank you so much. Yes, thanks yeah. for having um, me. Is there, like, a, any kind of, I know that, that your website is now right now hidden, but it will be reactivated. Can people get in touch with you? Or yeah, is it- still through my. Uh, so because I'm also an artist, I always have AlyssaMoreno.com. Okay. 
And that always goes to my email. So oh, okay. I've had people <laughs> before when I was kind of Do you of do like private lessons for people? If yeah. somebody heard yeah. this and said, oh, I'm curious about this, and, but I don't really want to do it. very first student came oh, okay. privately from a podcast from a comedian. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, she oh, was an LA comedian in Chicago. Okay. <laughs> and so someone said, can I please? Yeah, I'll do tons of private lessons. I okay. actually enjoy that. Because some people might be nerved to be like, oh, I don't want to do the group thing. I yeah. to like really get my head wrapped around it. That's yeah, very so, true. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This is awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye, Bye, everyone.